Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about replayability, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, we like to talk about games. Uh, replayability is something that has come up recently, I guess because I've been, like, we've both kind of simultaneously been stuck in, like, big feedback loops, right? Because you've been playing a lot of blops. I've obviously been playing a ton of, like, WoW, right? And there is something about the replayability of the formula of COD, right? And the formula of World of Warcraft that draws, you know, like, that draws us back in over and over again. Um, Yeah, and and on on top of that, um, you know, I've I've been thinking about this a little bit lately because of the the closure of Telltale, um, about how, like, you know, those games have limited replayability and and I, right. I i wanted to think about like you know um how much replayability is is important um because i think because hmm, there's, there's a lot of games that i will only ever play through once right like i'm i'm never going to go back and play through uh, i don't know uh like um like like uh that 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 indie game that we talked about um inside inside yeah i'm never going to yeah. play that again sure. um and so replayability there is completely unimportant to me. Um, but I also feel like if the game was short enough, I might, right? Like like uh, Undertale, I might, right? Like Or like, so, and specifically talking about like these, um, these Telltale games or like adventure games that have potential branching story paths, I feel like replaying it might be like, is part of the draw for it, right? Like you want to actually explore the decision space. Um, maybe not for everyone, but I think that that, that is a draw for it core fans of the genre does that make sense yeah i actually definitely super feel that um and i think that it is harder to replay something like almost like psychologically harder or like neurologically harder to replay something for its story than it is to replay something for its gameplay mechanics um like i can think of a lot of games that i have played through multiple times because of their mechanics right like a lot of, you know, like, a lot of the games that we come back to over and over again, Hearthstone, World of Warcraft, right, um, uh, you know, Total War, right? right, like, a lot of these are less narratively focused, and they have, like, big repeatable gameplay kind of, like, loops, um, but when I think of, you know, for instance, God, I'm trying to think of a game, because a lot of these I have replayed, <laughs> like Mass Effect, right? But, like, yeah. Mass Effect is, like, a good game, and I've replayed it a bazillion times or whatever. Right, but um, th- that's probably your exception rather than your rule, right? Like, Yeah. Well, uh, so I think that there's something about replaying a game with a very good story. Like, I've replayed Mass Effect 2 a whole bunch, and some of that is that I think that the gameplay is sharp and it's really fun and everything. But also a lot of that is the story, right? And exploring the possibility space of that story and everything else kind of thing. Um, But, you know, maybe The Walking Dead Season 1 is a really good example. Like, I played through The Walking Dead Season 1 and I have never gone back to or had an inclination to go back to uh, to replay that game or re-experience that story. Um, Even when, like, Walking Dead Season 2 came out and I bought that on release... Uh, and played through the first, I think, like, two episodes or something. Um, the I never had that urge to go back and, like, re-experience the original. Um, and there is something about that that I, that I feel is kind of, like, deeper. And in a lot of ways, I actually think that this applies outside of just games in general. And games have a big advantage on something like movies um, or something like a book or something. Because they have mechanics in order to create 
like feed like gameplay and feedback loops, right? Um, so, for instance, I find something like Man of Steel very rewatchable, right? Um, but I find something like, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming. I saw that once. I don't think I'm ever going to watch that movie again. Like, maybe I will, but but I would probably be okay if I just don't go back and see it a second time. Um, with games, you can you can hook somebody on a story, right? You can hook somebody on, like, that narrative and say, oh, this is a really cool, interesting, complex story, and you're going to want to rewatch Star Wars, right, a thousand times. Um, but when it comes to, you know, Undertale... Yeah, I really only go through that once or twice, and once I've explored all of the different kind of story paths, I'm basically good. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's interesting because like, I feel that, but I, I feel like the kind of like replayability based on story, replayability based on mechanics are almost two entirely separate realms, right? Like, I rarely replay uh, single player heavy games, um, and. I feel like if, when I do, a lot of that's for mechanics, but something I have done and something I think makes a lot of, like, you know, this is a sign of the age, but right? Like, if I wanted to go back and replay a game just for the story and not for any kind of, like, mechanical reason, I think I'm more likely to look up, like, the quote-unquote movie version on YouTube than I am to actually play through it again for the story. Because I can get those story beats without the, uh, the gameplay filling in. Because I think most, you know... Um, this is this is something you've talked about before. That uh, what, what's what's the you, you've got a term for it, but I can't remember. Where like the game stops and the story begins, and it's and it's. Uh, oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Content muncher. Content muncher. Where, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where where you you have like these explicit like breaks between what is gameplay and what is story, and they end up creating this like really frustrating like you want to experience the story but now you have to go and play through a physics puzzle or you want to get to the next shooting section but you have to sit through an unskippable cutscene yeah and i i feel like i feel like most games kind of fall into that that kind of trap right like even ones that integrate well if you're just kind of like want to go experience the story again it's makes a lot more sense i think to go back and then just watch the story bits than it does to kind of play through the whole thing again if you're not particularly like excited about going playing the the gameplay again um right and vice versa right like if i want more of the gameplay like i'm much more likely to say pick up the multiplayer versions content in a single player game i played a lot of i did this with uh, dark souls a lot dark souls 3 right um like i really enjoyed that game and i started a second character i basically like the story in that game is weird anyway, but like I ignored all of those elements just to get like kind of get to a point where I could do um, multiplayer content. Um, and I did that kind of like to, to the, uh, maybe not the detriment, but just to the ignorance of the, uh, of kind of the single player stuff. Um, Cause I really just wanted that, 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 uh, that, that kind of gameplay feel again. Um, I think maybe that's, that's kind of like indicative, right? Like we were talking about blobs. We were talking about wow, which for the most mm -hmm. part, e even, you know, um. Uh, regardless of what it is, it's like it's either it's highly loopable stuff, I guess, right? Like, like wow, well, it's not like it's not so much multiplayer, right? It's like uh, well, I don't want to put this like like dailies and whatever, but it's stuff that like you can do over and over again, right? Multiplayer. Yeah, is... I mean, I think the loop is even smaller than that. Like, I think that the core loop on on WoW is running up to something, doing a you know put, put pressing the buttons in the correct order and then you know getting a getting a reward out of it whether that reward is you know 
raid gear or PvP gear or whatever, right? Like, I think that that I think that the core of that loop of running around the like moving through the world and pressing your buttons in certain ways um, is like the is like the the loopable replayability of WoW. Mm. No, that makes sense. Um, so, so something something just popped into my head that's, that's very related to this, right? Like, WoW presumably you always have your like progression towards you know some rep, some piece of gear. Um, Blackout, like, I remember, you know, back in the day when you used to play, just like play a match to play a match and see if you won or not. But I feel like more and more, especially for these shorter experiences, you need some form of like external progression to really drive that home, right? Like when I'm playing Blops, a big part of that drive is a drive to like level up in Blops. That's why they have prestiging because once you hit the top, there's no more progression anymore. So you want to reset that. Um, um, this is also typically how I burn out on WoW, right? Like if I once I hit a point where like the returns are very diminishing, I stop caring. Um, and then something even like one of these Telltale games, right? Like, um, or one of these you know any types of these adventure games, you play through until you put until you've basically exhausted the story content and there's nothing like there's nothing left. And you know maybe this drives it why like choices not mattering is so disappointing to some people, right? Um, because like you've put forth the effort to explore the new content but there's not there's not that there's nothing there right like you get your prize and it's not satisfying does that make sense yes and i think that's kind of like the neurological piece of this i guess yeah because that's good because that's what happens with like a skinner box or whatever right like at a certain point the skinner box runs out and you don't get like the dopamine hit anymore and it it no longer feels good um and I sort of wonder how much of that requires, like, sort of, uh, like, tolerance breaks. Um, like, this <laughs> this is going to make me sound like a crazy drug addict or whatever, but, like, if you smoke a lot of weed, it's not uncommon for someone to take what's called, like, a tolerance break, where you take a break from smoking weed for six months so that you can build back, so that your tolerance can deplete to whatever it is, whatever the chemical is. Um, and, uh, and then when you smoke again, it, like, feels good again, and you can, like, get as high as you used to sort of thing. And I sort of think that a lot of games encourage, or and a lot of loops people fall into with games, are a, is, is a very similar thing, right? Like, when I play Total War every three or six months when they put out a content update, right, that is kind of me doing a tolerance, you know, like me taking yeah, yeah. a tolerance break. And then in two weeks when they release the Vampire Coast and I get to play Vampy Pirate Boys, right, uh, all of a sudden I'm going to, you know, I'm going to play Total War again and it's going to, you know, like feel like new because I haven't played it for three months. Um, and I think the same thing happens with WoW, the same thing happens with Hearthstone, the, things, the same thing happens with games with sequels, right? Like Assassin's Creed games or whatever. Um, I even think to a certain extent it also this is also something that bleeds over to other media, right? Like we've talked about the reason Solo failed at the box office is because it's six months after The Last Jedi. Yeah, to a certain extent, I think there needed to be a bigger tolerance break in between Star Wars movies. Um, though I think it is much more prominent in a, like the video game space just because like the loop is more definable and um in a, in a certain sense more like predatory right like right. especially when we talk about like loot boxes and shit like that right like that loop gets gets predatory quickly because there's money on the line yeah i mean and even if even if you aren't directly paying for like a box right like that's you know 
call it predatory or not, that's kind of like the, the fundamental loop in WoW, right? Like, it's yeah. a loop. It is a loop box. It's just one that you don't pay for, right? Like, do you Yeah, get it's your... one that you pay a flat fee for every month. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and I've definitely had that happen where, like, all of a sudden the Skinner box turns off and I'm just like, you know, like, I get a piece of gear or whatever and I'm like, oh, man, wait, what? What? Why am I here? Yeah. What am I doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> like... All of these goals that, you know, that you kind of set for yourself. And I think that that's actually a good aspect of WoW, right? In that there are a lot of different goals to have. Um, and if you want to be somebody who makes 5 million gold in getting the Stompy Boy mount, or if you want to be somebody who gets an all-mythic raid gear, or if you want to be somebody who gets Gladiator and PvP or whatever, right? Like, there's a lot of different kind of goals for you to attain. But there is a certain, like, emptiness that comes with, like, I just attained my goal, whatever it was, and everything else has just kind of, like, fallen away. Yeah, yeah, and, like, if that goal, like... It's, it's always, like, the weirdest thing for me, right? Because I think about I think about this with Diablo a lot, right? Because Diablo is a game that I consistently... Every once in a while, I was like, I want to play a fucking loot game, and I'll go play that game, and I'll go play it for, like, like you know, like, 10 hours, and, like, you know, 10 hours straight, even, right? And then I'll get to, the like, the, the diminishing returns point, point. I'll be like, I'm fucking done, right? Like, I'll, like... I'll, like, get, like, the last piece of, like, the gear I need for the set I'm working on. And I'll be like, yes, I got it. And then I'll, like, play, like, you know, 10 more minutes to actually fucking use it, right? And see, like, see the effect that I've I've gotten, right? The, to just, like, run through some greater rift. I'll be like, all right, well, the next goal is either, like, some rare drop or, like, just some, like, weird iterative thing that, like, gives me marginally more power. I'm like... Right. Well, I guess I'm done. Even, you know, like I worked, you know, I, I worked so hard to get there. This this even happens at Black Ops a lot, right? It's so just to be clear, it's been a double XP weekend. So I've been playing like crazy this weekend. Um, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's like leveling up stuff, right? It's like, yeah. like, you know, oh man, I am so excited to get um, like they're like the each weapon or not every weapon. Most weapons have when you hit max level, you can unlock a special mod for them that does something really neat right like um for the light machine gun i use it's a suppressor which or it's it's called the the upper the oppressor and when you shoot the gun enemies near you get suppressed or like um uh the one that monarch's been using a lot is um there's these it's a light machine gun and the top one is you dual wield them right um oh shit yeah and so um uh like i've been playing 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 it's like i get i get it right like um uh and, you know, I, I use it for, like, two matches. I'm like, this is really cool. And it's like, but I can prestige this weapon. And I can earn all that stuff over again. And I hit the button <laughs> and I just start doing it again. <laughs> um, and, like, you know, obviously I, I don't think that has, like, the longest legs, right? Like, at some point I'm not going to be happy doing that again. Um, um, but especially kind of, like, in this double XP environment where, like, I'm regaining those levels rap really rapidly. So it doesn't feel as, as, as heavy. Um, that's, like... I don't know that that just like feeling is is like super like the ability to reset has this like really weird effect where I like really want to do it even though like I've attained the thing that I really want to do and only use it for a short period of time. I don't know. Okay, so my question then kind of becomes is the only way to create these sorts of replayability loops to make it goal oriented, right? Is there such thing as, like, a, a replayability loop that isn't, like, some sort of, like, goal-oriented loop? 
And like my default is to say, obviously not. All of the loops that we're talking about are always goal oriented, right? And you repeat the like you repeat the loop in order to accomplish that goal, whatever it is, sort of thing. But like, is there such a thing where the loop is the loop and it is fun enough to sustain to sustain itself? So you know what I mean. So one, I'm going to point to the fact that it didn't always used to be this way. Um, and you know, maybe those were just like less addicting, but right. Oh, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It didn't used to be this way. Um, yeah. Whoa. It's super didn't used to be this way, but uh, there were always still goals in games like super Mario 64 or whatever. Right. Right. Like getting stars and you know, yeah. But you know, like you play that game to completion, right? Like, um, and if you're replaying that, maybe you're replaying that to just like get a faster time or, you know, whatever, whatever people do for fun post post game. I'm not that any of that stuff has ever dragged me in, but we've talked about like watching, um, stuff about like uh, speed runs before that motivates some right. people. But speed runs are also goal oriented. Yeah, right? yeah, no, no, that, no. Like, that, that's know. my point. Yeah, um, I uh, like. I bet the answer would be like Minecraft, maybe. So I, I do just like. I also have another answer, which is strategy games, right? Like Civ and CK two and I and EU four, right? Like you don't replay those games to move towards like. Um, a greater end goal. It's just that the loops on those are super long, and so the loop itself is, is satisfying, if that makes sense. And the goals are also long inside. Yeah. Like, it, it, I, okay, this is what it is. I see, I think I see it. There's kind of like an interior loop goal and an exterior loop goal, right? So, like, for instance, COD has exterior loop goals where you play, where you cycle the loop a bunch of times, and it kind of, um, and it feeds into a bigger, greater goal, um, like... You know, or like League of Legends or something like that, where you're trying to get to level 30 and, lo and unlock all of your runes or whatever it is. I, I'm sure they've changed yeah, the well, system by now. The, the, the um, other thing about like League and something like Rocket League is that the uh, the exterior loop goal is also ranking, right? Like that that is its own kind of exterior right, loop right, goal. Right, right, yeah. But then you but then when you have something like Total War or Civ, the the goal is interior to the loop right. because the loop is so big and so long that it can be a kind of it, in, in a lot of ways, it has the same lifespan as those exterior loops because, like, your your whole game of Total War is going to be 10 to 20 hours, right? And that's about the amount of time it takes for you to, you know, accomplish whatever sort of exterior goals that you're constantly cycling on the treadmill in WoW or in Blops or something like that, right? Yeah, that and makes I think sense. that makes a lot of sense. I wonder if there's anything else besides strategy games that has that really long loop or that that really long loop like that. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird strategy games really like lend themselves to this. To yeah. a certain extent, I think certain RPGs do too. Like maybe I'd say some of like kind of the classic RPGs, um, or even RPGs along the lines of like the big the big single player RPGs like Deus Ex or uh, like Dragon Age or Mass Effect are kind of like this. But like the loop for Final Fantasy VII is you know, is interior because like at the end of the day, it's just to complete the game and that's a 40 hour experience. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess. So, so something that just popped in my head is, is roguelikes um, because you're like, oh, that's interesting. Each delve is a loop. Right. Um, yeah. And you're basically playing until you hit the loop where you beat the game. Right. But the, the way I typically play those games is I play for a while and either like I, I stop playing cause I'm done or like I, I'm tired of it or I hit like, I paid a particularly good run and I stop after I've died that that run, right? Because mm -hmm. um, it's like I've made as much progress as I'm going to have made for today, right? Like even though even though that that progress is is independent of all the other progress I've made, 
Um, so it's time for me to, to take a break and be done with it. Um, cause I guess it's like, I don't know, in, in some ways it's kind of like running a, running a dungeon over and over and wow. Right. Like, um, yeah. you know, when you do it, once you've hit the, uh, hit, hit like your, you've gotten your piece of gear or whatever. Right. Like I've, there's no guarantee that this particular iteration of the loop is going to make me hit my end goal. But when I do, then I'm done. Or like when I get far enough that like it would be frustrating, continue further, which I think is really interesting, right? Because most genres, if like I get frustrated, I just stop. But roguelikes, it's like part of the core formula, right? Um, yeah, in a certain sense, I almost think roguelikes are both. Like I've played a lot of FTL, um, and I think FTL is a really good game and like a good roguelike. But I am never motivated by the exterior loop. Right. Um, which is like earning new ships and stuff like that. Like, I just find playing the game fun enough in and of itself. And I don't play it hardcore enough to, like, there are people who know, you know, like, there are people who know, like, the procedural generation, but, like, underlying things or whatever. And I'm nowhere near, that, like, that hardcore player. And so just kind of going through with, like, the basic ships and, like, oh, you did whatever and then you earn... You know, whatever, like, that's, that's like, good enough for me. But I think that for other people, for, like, more hardcore players, that exterior loop is important. Um, and being able to earn, you know, the new ships and you want to get the different, you know, like, different play styles or whatever. Um, and that's kind of an interesting, like, it can, it blends sort of across that line in a way that, that other games sort of yeah. don't. It's, it's interesting you bring, bring up FTL because Into the Breach, you know, the other game that that company made, like... yeah. I really liked that game, but as soon as I beat it for the first time, I almost immediately dropped entirely off of it. I've played like maybe like 30 minutes total of that game past past the first time I beat it. Um, and it's definitely a game that's meant to be beat multiple times. You get to unlock multiple different crews. There's more pilots. There's a whole bunch of stuff that means that you're supposed to play this game multiple times, but I just can't I can't get myself invested in it for whatever reason. Yeah. Right? There's also no randomizer in that game, right? Um, what do you mean? Uh, I thought I read an article about this, how, like, everything in the game was, uh, there, there was no randomization to oh, how yeah. s stuff always spawns the same way, it always spawns in the same places, um, and the moves are all tactical, they're never random, right? So, like, the enemy moves will always be, like, the AI is, is always, um... So, so I don't know about moving, the overworld stuff... Yeah, I don't know about the overworld stuff, but, like, a big part of it is that everything that happens on the tactical map is, like, it's not, that's that's not, a, like, a, it's not the same, I think, as what you're just, as, as what you might think it is. It's, like, um, it's not super predictable, like, outside of the round, like, the current round that you're doing, but you know everything okay. that's going to happen before it happens, right? Like, gotcha. there, there's, like, there's only one piece of random chance, I think, um, in, like, the actual execution, otherwise things will always kind of resolve the way that you see them. But, like, it's not like, you know, bugs will always move in the same way. It's that, like, the bug will tell you what it's going to do before it actually does it, and you have always have a chance to respond to it, and you never have to guess. Um, right, but that bug also makes the decision of where it's going to move according to, like, factors or whatever. So, and so like, so, for instance, if I keep save scumming in other games that don't have any kind of, like, randomizer protection, you might be able to catch the AI, make a different move than they would otherwise make because there's a randomizer inside of their decision-making, um, which I think is bad and lazy and isn't super common, I feel like, these days. I feel like most games I play don't have so much of that. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I, I I was under the impression, I guess, that the that Into the Breach didn't have a randomizer on that kind of like level, and that it was all it was it was supposed to be like a chess match, right? Yeah. Where there is no RNG to to how things resolve on the chessboard. So, so so that is absolutely true. But if if the bugs have like AI that is super like that that is like predictable, it's not like easily it's not like you would sit down there and be like oh that's yeah. obviously what that person was going to do like to me it appears yeah, especially that like because i mean i'm sure that the ai accounts for whatever you bring into the battle right, right and stuff like that and so in a certain sense there is a randomizer and that randomizer is the fact that you're never going to enter the same battle under the exact same conditions right also um, the, the maps are, are are randomized to some degree right like oh the, really okay. yeah like the cool, like cool. each each locate each battle you fight isn't isn't uh isn't the set stage it's uh it's like variations on the same kind of themes, depending on what you're doing. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but like I said, the, the bigger thing is that like, if like it would be like playing a game of chess, right? Like in short, if you're playing chess versus a computer, like if you're, if you think about it enough, you could probably figure out what the other, the, the computer is going to do, but like for a normal person, it's going to be opaque, right? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that, that that is another core piece of sort of replayability loops is that kind of like variation and diversity and randomizer um, aspect to it, right? Like uh, things like chess or checkers or Scrabble or whatever. Well, Scrabble, I guess, also has a randomizer. Uh, like kind of notwithstanding, like most video games have kind of random... What's that super random? I might call it sort of like syncopation, like in music, right? Where like... You're filling in a bunch of different things, like, you, like you're kind of filling in the blanks or whatever. And so, like, yeah, at the end of the day, when I'm killing blood trolls in Nazmir versus killing pirates in Tiragard Sound, right? Those enemies are typically not all that meaningfully different, um, but like their makeup and cosmetic difference might be sort of enough to to have it feel like varied or diverse or something kind of along those lines. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think I do. That, that, that makes sense. Um, and like to a certain extent, there is a, like, I think WoW is better than this, right? Um, like typically enemy types will behave similarly. So like, you know, blood trolls will have a cast of a spell or whatever. And the more blood trolls you fight, the more you might realize, oh, I need to interrupt that spell or else it's going to heal them or something like that. Um, and like kind of vice versa with pirates and stuff like that. So there are very kind of like low level mechanics that do differentiate the two groups. But at the end of the day, right, like that's just, that's just fill to make the pad to like divvy up the pattern a little bit and make it feel like you're not doing exactly the same thing, even if you are functionally doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's really strange that kind of like, wow like does so well with this even though like i like i don't know i find that like it's it's like the the core loop itself is not particularly compelling right especially with um with like regular mobs um and i think that this is like why i fell off this time is that yeah. i didn't care enough to like kill ra ra random mobs because like you know um regardless i'm able to just kind of like bowl over them all right like i I've, i find like rating very satisfying generally and and like the the more pressure based um uh like the mythic dungeon stuff very satisfying but like um the the only thing that the core loop in uh 
in WoW does is is to serve the the exterior loop goals, which um, yeah, you know, it just feels very. It, it, it's weird that it works so well. Maybe, maybe that's just like the the you know says something about Skinner boxes more than anything else. No, yeah, I super feel that. I mean, I think that a lot of those exterior loop goals in a in a weird way, WoW kind of has. Um, so many of them that I feel like it's easy to kind of get like lost with a bunch. Uh, like you're leveling professions and maybe you're, you know, and so you have these kind of like Russian nesting dolls of like goals or whatever, right? You're leveling your profession or it's even bigger than that, right? Like you're, you're doing your world quests in order to get reps so that you can level your profession better so that you can make gold so that you can get, amount or something kind of you know like yeah yeah there are all of these different incremental pieces and it's easy to get kind of like lost in there um and and you find yourself leveling up multiple tunes to you know oh i'm gonna make sure that i'm gemmed and enchanted because my goal is raiding or whatever and so i need to have a character that's an alchemist and a character that's a jewel crafter and a character that's an enchanter so that i can be raid ready on my main character at all times or whatever right like that 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 sort of thing is what like underlies i feel like wow and it's just because like the loops are are like nested in that way that makes it so uh like so replayable for like the hardcore even if uh even if the individual things um like the individual loop itself isn't super compelling that's interesting i i made this joke like one day i i uh i i was like I guess I was talking to Enoch or maybe Charles. Somebody was playing one of those like clicker hero type games, like yeah, yeah, yeah especially yeah. the ones that like eventually like play themselves, right? Like you just like let it roll. Yeah, you buy enough upgrades, and it's like it'll just go for fucking forever. Yeah, and then it's like you know, I, re- I remember making this show. It's like, haha, that's stupid. As I hit the same four keys on my keyboard to kill a bunch of things in World of Warcraft, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. That's yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. I guess I, I guess those clicker games are kind of like the most base distillation of that kind of like replayability loop, right? It's like numbers yeah. go up, right? Like this makes me happy on and warm inside because the numbers have gone up as I watch them, which is just yeah. like such a weird kind of like animalistic lizard brain thing. It's like <laughs> things big, things big, good, yes, yes. Like, oh man. Ah, that's depressing. What are we doing, buddy? (laughs) Yeah, that really is depressing to a certain extent. This has happened to me in other situations before, too, where, like, you just kind of, like, (laughs) because, like, it spirals out of control, and eventually you're just like, I'm a floating speck of dust. Yeah, right. Nothingness of the universe, you know what I mean? Like, uh, because, like, you know, when you think about basically any game, they are just like elaborate time wasters. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and of course, it's 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 tough to when you when you kind of like unplug that cork in the bottom of the rowboat. It's tough to stop sinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I also think, to a certain extent, replayability is uh, is determined by social interaction. He said, "Expert segue after like the nihilism." <laughs> To a certain extent, like, I think WoW or Blobs or whatever it is, is more replayable because of the social environment around that replayability, right? Um, So, for instance, you know, playing WoW with my guild that is full of my friends, right? It's easy for me to lose myself in the loop 
or loops of, you know, running around farming herbs or fishing or whatever it is, um, when I'm sitting in Discord and we're all hanging out together, right, right and right, talking. Right. Um, and I think that that's, that's a, like, a powerful effect. And to a certain extent, I think that that's a benefit to games like, uh, like WoW and, like, Blops and, like, League of Legends and, like, you know, whatever else, um, where it is a detriment to games like The Walking Dead, right? Um, I think it's much harder to have that kind of, like, a social experience with something like The Walking Dead. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, anything that's, like, the, like a, a story-based single-player experience is not going to be able to, like, really hone in on those things, right? Because, like, the, the, that social experience, is, like, you know, you can talk about, like, kind of, like, different aspects of the story and what they mean, right? Like, you know, Dark Souls is infamous for kind of, like, discussions of, like, what what's actually happening since the story's kind of parceled out in weird bits and pieces. Um, but you don't really need to play the game more than once to, to, to get in on that, right? You don't even need to play the game once, right? Like, you just need to, like, read some stuff, like, some text excerpts, excerpts or like watch some youtube videos to get to kind of get like into that aspect of it um <sighs> but um you know just thinking about something else that i've been dabbling into um i've been playing some uh some devil may cry uh four um just because like last week i said hype for devil may cry five um and i'll talk a little bit more about more general things about that in the in the back half hour but mm -hmm. um a big part of that game is doing things stylishly right um and so uh um part of the game is replaying replaying the segments so you can get a higher score like a higher style score and this is just basically like a high score mechanic you know it's a little bit it's a little bit uh more abstracted because you're not like um you're not like you know, just getting points and you know, it's a little bit harder to, to maximize than like, you know, like a classic arcade game. But, um, uh, do you, do you find those kinds of loops compelling, right? Like doing like, you know, this is a more, another big numbers thing, but like doing the, uh, doing the same thing again, but to try and get a bigger number on it, but just like, that's the only end goal. It doesn't actually serve a longer purpose. I used to find that more compelling than I do today. Um, and in a certain sense, that's like kind of like the achievement points loop. Right. Um, where you know, like I have a, I have one hundred percent completion in Mass Effect Two on the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, right? Because I went through and I did every single achievement, um, which included, which you know, which required multiple playthroughs because you know you need to do a certain number of things um, while on a certain level of difficulty or whatever. So I've beaten that game on like insane twice or something like that. Um, but I guess I don't typically assign a ton of value to that. Um, at least in like a single player sort of experience. And I think that there is a kind of, um, you know, a tree falls in the forest there, you know, but it doesn't make a sound aspect to this, um, which, you know, which, which kind of requires, um, a group of people to validate that and validate you in a way, right? 
Um, and this is what I think kind of underlies the speedrunning community in a lot of ways, right? Like, it is not that you got the achievement, you got all of the achievement points and that is internally fulfilling, right, or whatever. And I mean, to a certain extent that that is, right? But I also got those achievement points so that I could fucking brag about it. Um, and I think when you are speedrunning, you know, no, speedrunning doesn't happen inside of a vacuum. Speedrunning happens when you can post on forums and compare tips and tricks with other sort of people. Right, right. Like right. Humans are social beings and we form communities that value certain things, right? And one of those things might be how fucking quickly can we speedrun a thing? Um, and you need, and you need like an external, you know, you need some other group there to sort of, uh, to stamp whatever it is that you're doing in order to like get that feedback of, ah, this feels good. I'm awesome for breaking this world record or whatever. Right. Yeah. This is weird. Cause I'm thinking about this in terms of like, you know, um, like, you know, I wanted to play some more of this game, right? Like I beat. Um, this a game, right? And I want to play more of that game, but I don't feel like it would be satisfying to do so unless I've got some kind of other motivation to do it, right? In, in this kind of way, right? Like I need right. to do it again to like, or I need to do it do, do it enough to get this achievement, which gives me the excuse to play the game, which is what I really want to do. Um, and theoretically, I should just want to play the game to play the game because that's what I actually want to do. It's it's a weird set of motivations. And yeah, like, and in a way, this is kind of why I think I might say that a goal is is necessary. Um, I don't know how true that is because my guess would be that for certain games and for certain ages, that's not true. Uh, the big example in my mind being like Minecraft. I think if you're somebody that does like a creative, if that does creative Minecraft, you aren't necessarily goal oriented, um, and you're just kind of exploring and expressing yourself. And maybe to a certain extent, like, you could say that, like, building a thing is, like, a goal or whatever. Um, and Or, you know, like, building one of these crazy contraptions so that you can put it on, like, r slash Minecraft yeah, or right, something right. like that. Or, like, make Minecraft YouTube videos. Um, but, yeah, there are definitely, there are definitely, like, I feel like there are definitely games where the loop is the goal. Right, where you're just playing the loop, and it's there is no goal that you say, oh, all you need to do is essentially suffer through this loop over and over again. We're tricking you into doing it, or something kind of like that, where you just sort of like walk into it and and get it done. Because like even in games that I love a lot and I think are very good, um, <clears throat> you know, I am typically goal oriented with it, where I say. I want to beat the game. I want to beat, you know, Total War Warhammer with the vampire counts. And so it gives me a bunch of victory conditions and I fulfill those victory conditions. Or, you know, I'm playing through Dragon Age and I want to do a different, I want to do a Renegade playthrough or a Paragon playthrough or kind of like whatever else. Yeah. So I want to step back for one second and just kind of address the thing we talked about before is that it didn't used to be like this, right? Right. Um, and I've got like two theories in my mind. One is that like, um, you know, somehow we're ruined by the progression and like, this is, this is a bad thing. But the other one is maybe like, maybe those games just like weren't as good, but they all we had, they were all we had. So we didn't have like, since we didn't have the opportunity to have a, a game of that form factor with these kind of external progression goals, it was just the best that we got. And maybe we just didn't care as much about them. Right. Like that's gotta be a possibility, right? Like when I didn't care about like, um, you know, progressing my weapons in COD and I was playing like TF2 on like a random CTF server, right? I was doing that beyond the social aspects. I was doing it just because 
Um, it was fun in itself, but I probably also wasn't playing for like six hours straight on a Sunday because it's double XP weekend, right? Does that sound right? And maybe that's just also my age too, right? Like I didn't have as much, I didn't have as much freedom to do that back when I could, you know, play, play it for six hours uh, a, a day. And may, maybe I would have if, if that was open to me, but maybe, maybe these games are just better. Does that make sense? I think we are also older, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of this... I, I played World of Warcraft when I was a teenager, and I had no conception for the stuff that I do now because I'm just that much more advanced a player, right? And I think, and I think about this a lot when I think of WoW and I think of things like Recount or Sims, right? <clears throat> and, th and those things happened. They existed. They existed in Wrath of the Lich King. They existed in Burning Crusade or whatever. Um, but, like... I think we get better at things as time goes along, right? And we got better at World of Warcraft, and we got better at COD, and we just kind of have ended up in a position where we are better at... Um, we, we got into a position where we are better at these games than they are good sometimes. Um, and I feel like when you can really clearly see through the loop and not engage, right? Like when that and when that turns you off, that is like the problem. And I feel like I've had that experience a couple of times though. I have a harder time remembering bad games compared to remembering good ones. Yeah, and, and I see your point and I definitely do think that there's like an age component to it, right? Like I'm I'm sure that like you could get a kid hooked on a game without these exterior loops um just for itself easier than you could an adult, but like that also doesn't change the fact that like when we were kids, there were older people also playing this game and these games. And I don't think that they were particularly less invested. Uh, you know, I don't think. They oh, were... no. I mean, I think that that is I think that that is a factor. Right. Just because somebody's an adult doesn't mean that they are necessarily like better at this. And in a lot of ways, I think that the progression we've seen, like as a culture is because like we as a culture are maturing through, you know, I now have 30 years of well, 28 years of gaming experience under my belt, right? Whereas if I'm an adult in the 90s, yeah, you know, I've been playing DOS games or whatever, right? But, like, I don't have the same kind of, like, foundation that we do now with three decades of, okay. of like, experience. Yeah, anything. I get that. That makes sense. And I also think that there's a technology aspect to it, too, right? Where it's, like... You know, to a certain extent, I, I sort of feel like we gather experience and we learn how to do these things um, <clears throat> as like, you know, like as a as a community, as a group or whatever sort of thing. Um, and so we are constantly getting better and better um, at playing games and understanding games and all this, that sort of thing. But I also think that technology is a, is a counteractive force to that where like new technology is being released. And so we need to remake ourselves and our, and, and, and like new understanding in order to like account for that. Um, so like the big example of this would be moving from a 2d game space to a 3d game space, right? Where, you know, we made super Mario, um, and like Spyro or whatever those kinds of games. And they were hard and tough because those games were not 
Th those were those were new innovations and we didn't know how to play them and developers didn't know how to design them and over the over time we had to kind of like in the same way that we refined the 2d platformer we had to refine 3d open world spaces and games in order to like make that work right and over time we had to refine you know 3d fps's from doom to halo to cod or whatever do you know what i mean yeah you know that, that makes a lot of sense that does make a lot of sense and to a certain extent, I almost sort of, like, wonder, like, is there an end point or do we just continue refining and inventing new stuff, right? Like, this is a, this is a very positive argument for something like VR, which we, which both of us have kind of been, like, down on to one extent or another over the, like, the lifetime of the cast or whatever, right? But, like, if there is, uh, you know, if we're constantly looking for new barriers to break through in order to challenge ourselves, reorienting ourselves as a VR playing game community is kind of like the next one of those barriers, I would say. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Along this line of thinking, why hasn't this kind of like, you know, I'm going to call it, it's going to be sound very negative, I'm going to call this like replayability rot um, infected like board games and tabletop games. I think it has, though. See, that's also interesting. I think that replayability rut has <clears throat> infected board games <clears throat> and tabletop games. I think the new board games that we are seeing now are much more complex, much more complicated, right? Um, that's and fair. people aren't content to sit around and play fucking Scrabble or Sorry, right? You know what I mean? We have to play stuff like Gloomhaven or, you know, whatever else. Scythe, right? <clears throat> sure. Because but I think that we have a, we have a common... Uh, we have, like, a common foundation of games like Sorry or, or you know, whatever, and we are getting... And, and the, those games become more complex and more complicated and more intricate over time in order to match with our expanded capacity to play, learn, and understand them. Um, and in the same vein, I also think RPGs have gone through that. Uh, like, the the progression from 1st edition D&D to AD&D to 3rd edition to Pathfinder is, in a lot of ways, that progression, right? We, as Pathfinder players, recognize a lot of the imbalance issues that are present in 3.5 in a way that 3.5 players didn't necessarily at the time. And a lot of that is, you know, like, I, th I think that there are a couple of different pieces of that progression, which I find interesting, right? Like, when we made the jump from owning a book equals knowledge to owning a, a USB drive of PDFs equals knowledge. I think that that was the thing that really cemented the kind of kill shot on 3.5's balance um, because it would have been impossible. You know, it's practically impossible for you to have every book in 3.5 without being exorbitantly wealthy, right? right? Um, and especially, you know, like when a lot of us are playing as like kids or teenagers, right? Like, yeah, maybe you get the magic of Incarnum because that book looks cool, um, or maybe you get Complete Warrior because you like to play martial characters or whatever. Um, but a lot of those, like, really crazy, really out-there interactions happen when you're combining feats and prestige classes from multiple different books, right? Um, and, like, interactions from, like, multiple different sort of, sort of books. And when we made that jump to having, you know... Of a select few of those at our disposal to having what is essentially the SRD at our disposal that made a made a huge difference. Yeah, no, I I think you're absolutely right. That, that does make a lot of sense because, I mean, another part of this too is like you know, not only are there is easier to access books, but it's also easier to like go on forums and find people who are finding like you know. 
before you would have to like sit down with all the books and figure it out yourself, right? And like cross. Oh yeah, and- no, that's so true. Yeah, yeah, and like because because at, at a certain point, you know, it's not just you and your friends, right? This ha- this happened to me in like Magic, right? And I feel like this happens to a lot of people in fighting games as well, where you create these like little tiny solar systems of metagames and then all of a sudden you get exposed to the galaxy yeah yeah um, basement you know, like kings when it's just, yeah when it's just like me and my friends playing smash i'm the best smash player but then i go to college and you know i get trounced immediately yeah, yeah. because somebody from another solar system is like way better than me or i start playing online and i get trounced immediately because you know the online player is like way better than me um yeah yeah. No, that's yeah, that's real. <laughs> the internet. <laughs> yeah. And to a certain extent, I almost kind of like wonder: is there something so complicated or complex that like the internet can't effectively decode it? You know, to make like the optimal strategies and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the the kind of like more. Well, I mean, there, there to, to answer that question, I think that there part of the answer is is this push you see in the RPG space a lot towards more story oriented oriented games where like it's just impossible to optimize because the game's not designed for that um well that's actually very true um and i think the other half of this is i think part of the danger is um this internet speak kind of invents problems that are more theoretical than they are real right like um we talked about this briefly off the chat and you, you brought this up as maybe something we could talk about in an episode but like um this kind of like Sleeping in the dungeon problem, the 15-minute adventuring day. Oh, yeah, the 15-minute adventuring day. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the 15-minute adventuring day is, like, 90 to 95% completely, like, a theoretical problem made out of whole cloth, right? Like, I think 95% of the times your players aren't going to be like, oh, I want to sleep, so I have full resources, like, after every encounter. Like, they'll they'll play, like, reasonable people. Um, And, like, you know, maybe there's some, like tuning issues on the on the edges of it right like the the issues aren't actually with the 15 minute adventuring day it's on like the like you know 12 hour adventuring day where like maybe they sleep every eight instead of every 12 hours and like the tuning there's off a little bit and like you know maybe and, and i like i think that like just this 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 ton of just the ability for for anybody to kind of come up with these things on the internet comes up with a lot of things that aren't really real or on on the other hand sometimes they are real right like i think that like a lot of these like guides right like there's like guides for pathfinder characters are like systemized right they're all like these word yeah. documents that have like the same coloring scheme they're like this is the optimal feat this is the least optimal feat um and those do can can like you know like give you like up to like eighth, I would say on like a on, for like the if you really fall into the T, like get like eighty percent more character out of your or power out of your character if you're just like playing for power, which you know we've talked about this before. I think that's the legitimate way to enjoy the game, but like, um, like the the other half of this or the, the other part of that, which is uh, like the the invented stuff. I I wonder if we spend too much time trying to fix those problems. Um, I, I do sort of wonder about that because I think some of these problems are legitimate, right? Yeah. Um, the obvious answer is like cure light wounds. I think wands of cure light wounds are a legitimate problem, right? Um, that deserve to kind of be fixed. But to a certain extent, I think it's like an accessibility thing. Um, 
going to a store and buying a wand of cure light wounds uh, or a bunch of wands of cure light wounds by you know like rules is written is pretty easy right you just kind of need to have enough gold in order to uh in order to get there and in order to do it and then using them is basically trivial um, yeah and hypothetically speaking it is equally trivial to do the 15 minute adventuring day um but for some reason the wand of cure light wounds strategy doesn't trigger kind of like a almost like a realism impulse in characters, the same way that I think the 15-minute adventuring day does. Like, I think people avoid the 15-minute adventuring day because it is unrealistic and it doesn't, like, make sense. And players are invested in the immersion and realism of the world yeah. to a certain extent, just as much as they are to the power. And that's a that's a trade-off in a lot of ways that players aren't, aren't sort of, like, willing to make. But I don't think that that same trade-off is made around something like the wand of cure light wounds or like i'm trying to think of like other problems that are sort of like like that um <clears throat> that are the extreme version but also real yeah yeah um, that people actually use yeah. but i definitely agree with you i think a lot of things are like theoretical i also think that a lot of things are more like specific um i've seen this in kind of like hyper persuade builds of characters where like you know they're all about charming people in order to like win fights or like so for instance if you are somebody who who specs out a crazy disarm character that can just like without any fail disarm anybody so anytime they fight you know when they fight the big bad with his sword or whatever well that person's just gonna walk up and take his super magical sword and throw it away and then and you know like it's gonna like fuck on them or kind of like whatever um but i think that there's a certain like balance aspect built into the game which is that like okay well what if the big bad is a dragon yeah, yeah. what do you do then you know what i mean um and uh and so like you know to a certain extent, there is a little bit of, like, breadth answers that hyper-optimization, you know, problem or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I also think that that's, it's, it's an, I think a part of the core fantasy, or like the, fantasy is kind of the wrong word, but like part of the core engagement about playing games, both tabletop um, and regular video games, is a refinement of tactics and strategy to get better over time, right? I am a better Tetris player than I was um, when I first played Tetris because I understand more about the game. And as my understanding increased, my strategies increased um, in, their in their efficiency and effectiveness. Um, and that sort of thing sort of continues more and more... Um, and maybe it's just like there is a there is a cap to it. Like eventually, you just out strategize whatever the game is, and there's nothing you can really do about it. And at that point, is is like is the game replayable at all? I don't know. Maybe the answer is you know like maybe the answer is no. Um, yeah. From like a gameplay perspective, I think I think games will always be replayable from like a narrative perspective. In because I think that that um, if you have a good replayable narrative, right, that kind of doesn't exhaust itself. 
Um, right. I, I think, but it does. Ha- but you do have to take bigger tolerance breaks. I don't really think that somebody can play Dragon Age two back to back to back to back to back. Dragon Age two might be a bad example, but I don't think somebody can play Mass Effect two back to back to back to back to back. Right. You play Mass Effect two, and then you come back to it, and then you come back to it, and then you come back to it. And so maybe it's something that you watch, you know, uh, that you play through like you watch Star Wars, where maybe once every two years, you know, you watch it again. Um, or something kind of along those lines. Um, but it's not something that you're doing over and over and over again, back to back in the same way that you would with a gameplay loop, like blops or like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we really got to the bottom of this one. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the times I feel like we end our we feel like, you know, we end our episode with like, ah, those are a bunch of thoughts. They're not really conclusive at all. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we we also like went far afield with this one too, right? Like we, we ended up talking about the fifteen minute adventuring day. <laughs> right, but, but I mean I think yeah. you know, so I think the fifteen minute adventuring day is, is a big replayability thing. Yeah. Right? Because the first time you play D D, none of that stuff occurs to you. But as you play it over and over again and you get better and better at the game, part of that getting better and better at the game is creating first order optimal strategies, right? Yeah. Of which the fifteen minute adventuring day can be one. Um yeah. And so, and I always sort of like wonder if the answer is just to like ramp complication. Um, like, Europa Universalis is a game that is ramped for players. I mean, even me, I haven't played EU4 in like a year. Um, and, oh, that's not true. I played EU4 four months ago. Whoops. Uh, but, you know, like, I haven't played EU4 in a while, but there are people who play EU4 all the time, and they're playing constantly. Um, and the developers of, the, of that game don't cater to me, and they don't cater to you. They cater to the players who are playing constantly, um, and they are making the game more complex and trying to continually up the threshold for strategy, right, that you need to kind of that you that you need to surmount in order to like achieve that level of mastery in the game that you want to achieve um and to a certain extent i think that might be the only way to sort of like combat this problem but that creates its own burnout because boy is eu4 a really fucking complicated game um and constantly outmoding all of the work that the that people do in order to learn it um might be you know, it might be a way to keep your top-level players invested, but it's going to cause other players to fall off. Um, yeah. So, yeah. A thought occurs to me, like, every year we go to Gen Con, and every year we play a bunch of games that we never have played before. And is that just kind of like an expression of our desire to kind of recapture that magical first session of D&D? Um, because yeah. we can't optimize those games. And, like, you know. and to a certain extent, I think that we walk into this problem when we repeat games, right? Like, when yeah. we come back for a third year of 7C. Well, 7C was great the first time, yeah. right? And it was great the second time, too, to be fair. Um, but, you know, like, maybe, you know, like, maybe we'll do it next year and we'll be like, you know what, man, I kind of, I'm a little 7C down. Maybe yeah, like, yeah. You're like, that we won't look for, for, like, for that game. Yeah. Or whatever it is. I mean, that's exactly what we did with Pathfinder, right? When we played the, Star, the, the Starfinder Society game and we were all kind of like, ah, you know, that's not really worth our time. Yeah. Yeah, and, oh, God. Yeah, that's, that, that's really, like, because, you know, I've been, like, looking at this and been like, I really had a good time with Orc. I really had a good time with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Luchador, Mask of Luchador. Um, and I, you know, I bought those Luchador books. 
Um, and I'd love to go like, I feel like I could play that again, but like once I started digging down into it, like how much of the, how much of the fun would I optimize out for myself? Right. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's not like the end all be all of that discussion. Right. Like I think that there's like aspects of, um, of, of this kind of storytelling stuff, right. Like we're like, um, games are games that are more story focused have less of these problems because it's harder to optimize. Although I think that like that can be less fun for people. It's, it's it, it, like, I think there's a, more issues there that we could dive into at some point. Um, that kind of factor. But I do think that kind of like that, that freshness aspect is, is, is a big factor. Um, and like, I think that seventh C work has worked for as long as this, cause we do have a good tolerance. We, we have like year long tolerance breaks for that game. Um, you know, maybe this year was bad because we played that 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 seven C game in the middle of the in the middle of the year, and we didn't have our long enough tolerance breaks. Oh my god, yeah, maybe. Um, although, you know, I think there's there's parts of that that are also like GM based, right? Like that are. Um, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I actually enjoyed our second session of seven C better than the first, and I think that was just because we got like a stellar GM. Yeah. Right? I mean, the guy is a professional GM and works on the seven C game. And so he has like a real mastery of like the system in the world and everything. So we really lucked out. Yeah. yeah, um, we did. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I really like the first session too, but you know, that's, that's just me. No, I definitely uh, really like the first session yeah. too. I just feel like the, you know, there are definitely sort of like, uh, maybe I'd call that like a, uh, like a coefficient or whatever. Right. Like the, the it's not, it doesn't make or break the experience, but it enhances a good, exp- you know, like a good experience yeah, yeah. more. It's like multiplicative in a way. I don't know. I, know I shouldn't be trying to like quantitatively, you know. Yeah, yeah. This isn't this is like an actuarial table. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think really at the end of the day, people want innovation. They want new things, and that's what kind of drives replayability, right? Like, can you create new stuff for people to get invested in? Um, because no, no loop rules forever. My yeah. Son. You know, I, <laughs> like, I, 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 that's like the big draw of like emergent gameplay type stuff, right? Like yeah. that you're make, it's the making reason your that own... games like, you know, league and world of Warcraft have patches, right? Um, yeah. To, to, to give people new content to turn through as they, as they like work through things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, 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 I think that's actually, I think we did actually thoroughly cover the topic. So yeah, <laughs> I know. I really like the phrase, by the way, this is like maybe future episode topic or whatever, but optimizing the fun out of it. Yeah. Right. Like, I think that is something that happens all the time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And there, I, there's, I there's a, there's a really that. good essay. I'll try to remember to, to put it up. I, I probably referenced it before. It's called water finds a crack, um, by one of the Civ guys, I believe it's the same guy who does the, uh, designer notes podcast. Um, Oh, cool. 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 Uh, cool yeah. Cool. Um, it's basically like, a player, given the opportunity, will optimize the fun out of their situation. You know, you like <laughs> to do things as efficiently as possible. Well, we'll talk about that sometime later. Yeah. Uh, how's your week? <laughs> <laughs> Week's been good. What did I do? I played a lot of Black Ops. Um, like, been pl- like so. It's talk about external rewards, right? Like, I've been playing a bunch of Blackout and like some multiplayer because I've always really liked multiplayer. Um, COD, not for like seriousness, but like just because like. Um, I find like arcade shooting fun. Um, and like this weekend I have like played like almost no blackout cause it's like, it's double XP weekend. Why wouldn't I be playing multiplayer and getting my numbers higher? Right. Like, um, I've just been like all day yesterday 
all this morning before I, I, I played some D and D like just blops, blops, blops. And it was, it's been fun. Um, and I haven't quite burned myself out on it yet, which is surprising to me. Um, I've been playing with different sets of people. So I think that that's helped it right. Like that, mm-hmm. um, that like, you know, when I play with Monica and X, like, I like playing team deathmatch, but X really doesn't. So we play like different control modes when we're doing that, and so that, like, I, I I I feel that way. Uh, I typically don't like deathmatches. I typically like control mode games, which I think is because I played a lot of Battlefront Two. Like it's like one of my first big multiplayer shooter experiences, and there aren't there isn't deathmatch in that. It's always like capture points or whatever. Um, yeah, and I I feel that it's just like and you know capture modes can hold me for a while right like because um it like can slake my blood thirst but like i've got like really kind of hard like you know you play the objective kind of like 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 uh, buzzers going off in my head right like this is this is you know like when you're playing overwatch you stand on the cart um and like you know there are rooms for flankers but i just i don't know it, it i feel like if i'm not doing doing the objective directly i'm not like playing the game right um and so like when i want to kill people i want to play team deathmatch because that's the point um, but it's, you know, it's not so inflexible that I'm not able to kind of like switch off to, to do, you know, to, to try a different mode when, um, other people want to. So that, that's, that's, that's been nice, right? Like just kind of like flitting through different, uh, versions. We've been playing a lot of, uh, hard point, which is, it's a control variation where like, uh, you have to, to, uh, hold an area. Um, and then, but like every 60 seconds, the area moves. Um, and so you, 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 the, everything's kind of constantly up and going and moving around. It's 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 a lot of fun, um, along with like you know the team deathmatch stuff and uh, smattering of other stuff too. Like um, something I really like is that um, COD has like playlists, and so like um, not only is there like um, uh, like like when I, when I go to play deathmatch, I don't play team deathmatch. I play the chaos TDM playlist, which is a mixture of regular team deathmatch and kill confirmed. Um, and I like that variation there. It, ke- it keeps it fresh while I'm playing. Um, but, uh, otherwise the other thing that happened this week that I, that I, that I really want to talk to you about was I beat Spider-Man. Um, Oh, nice. What, tell me all about it. It is really great. So much so that I think that you need to figure out a way to play it. Like, I, I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, it's really good. Like, so, um, like, you know, last week I said I had heard that this is the best piece of spider media that isn't, like, you know, like, outside of the comic books. Um, and I think I might agree with that. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily know that, like, it's the best piece of narrative content because, like, all video games, like, like all open world video games, pacing is, like, is not reliable. So it's not necessarily the greatest um, because, you know, you, you have, like, un- uncontrollable amounts of filler. Um but the story was really neat. Um, you could also tell that it was like, it's it was it's a it's a Marvel kind of like story, down to the fact that there's a fucking Stan Lee cameo in the middle of it. Oh um, my god! Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but it's it's really really good, and I definitely think that you should try and figure out a way to play it. Like it, it is it is it is that good. Um, they do some really cool things. Um, We'll say that I'm a little disappointed that the Sinister Six are kind of like not as big a part of the story as I thought they would be. Um, like that, like, have you seen any gameplay of it? Have you seen like the the kind of like chase of Electro on the raft? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's that's that is 
like in the latter half of the game if i i think um uh, it is and like the the uh the actual fights with the sinister six are not so much of the game but the game does a really good job of kind of like um so so a problem with open world games is uh or these types of open world games is like you, your power kind of constantly goes up but a lot of like the baddies power doesn't really go up um, oh, and so you can outmode them. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, like this, this happened a lot with Shadow Four, right? Like the the goblins never really changed, or the, the goblins, the orcs never really changed, but you kept getting more abilities, um, so you, the game just got easier. Um, uh, in this, at certain story points, you unlock, basically, like you start fighting like street thugs, and like you'll unlock different squads as the game goes on, and those are more difficult to fight. Um, and have different tricks up their sleeves. So the, the difficult and, the, and you know, they integrate themselves into the, the fake New York City. So the difficulty actually scales with the later parts of the game, which is which is a lot of fun. So I think that's, I think that's actually a, a really well done piece of it. Um, what else? Um, I don't know. I think that, uh, like, the costume stuff is really cool, right? Like, there, there's so much that you can tap into because it's a known property. Um like uh, I've always been a big. Have you ever played like Marvel Ultimate Alliance? Yes, I love that game. Oh my god! Can we just talk about how great that game is? Absolutely. <laughs> but but like yeah, I, I I so get that because like there are you know like Marvel Ultimate Alliance and you have these different costumes for these different you know characters and it makes you want to play in different ways. In a certain sense, it's kind of like you know legendaries or like Azerite armor or you know whatever um, or like whatever else. Um, so yeah, it is. Uh, it is very cool to see that almost like legacy of gameplay not be dead because I I, I, I always thought that that was a, a really great setup. Yeah. No. And like, I don't know. Like, it's just so much. It's just so much fun. Like pulling around with new costumes, right? Like, there are so many different like callbacks and different types of costumes. Like, there's um, there's a negative energy costume. There's uh, fear itself costume there's like the there's the um like the homemade wrestler costume um one of the last ones and this isn't too much of a spoiler but um because they're not like tied to in-game events but one of the last ones is um is a costume from the last stand which i just immediately fell in love with that costume i'd never seen it before um it's just so 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 varied and so cool like just it, it it's it's so neat it's it's and like the web stuff is really good. Um, Does like, it make you feel like Spider-Man Mango? I mean, I've never been Spider-Man, <laughs> so I couldn't tell you. But um, I don't know if if it feels good as 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 uh, somebody on a podcast that I listened to. I believe it was William, the super best friend, said like swinging's got to be like the best form of transport because flying is kind of boring, especially like perfect flying. Um, but, like, swinging has, like, just enough of, like, you need to, like, do some stuff. Like, you need to, like, have some real input in it to make it work effectively. Um, but it's also, like, easy enough that it's not, like, super hard to do, if that makes sense. Um, that it just, it just works. Um, uh, like, you know, like, when you're, when you're flying, right, like, you just kind of, like, go in a direction. But when you're swinging, right, like, you know, you'll be able to do it. But, like, if you're good enough, you could do it faster and you could do a little bit better. And you could like optimize it. and that like that kind of like mini game just makes it fun, right? Like there's a fast travel system in the game. I've used it like I used it like twice, I think, right? Even if the, the objective was across town, it's like, well, I'll, I'll go fucking swing it. It's so much it's so much like 
such a simple joy. Um, I don't know. Like I said, figure out how to get yourself a PS4 and play the game because it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, something that makes that even more kind of like not relatable, but like even more pressing feeling is uh, is Red Dead Redemption Two coming out in five days. Yeah, yeah. Right, which is console exclusive, um, which sucks because I have this like incredibly powerful PC. Yeah, no, I, I <laughs> definitely feel that. You know, um, um, and the whole point of making this, you know. Uh, I, as as strong a consumer grade game, gaming PC as I could was so that I could play you know like these new games um, on release. But I think I'll have to settle for like the cyberpunk uh, and the you know like the cyberpunks of the world in order to in order to kind of get there. Um, yeah. Do you have any? Are do you have any like intention to play Red Dead Redemption Two? Maybe it's it's a because I the. I have never been super into Rockstar games. I don't know why, but I just never have. Wow, really? Yeah. Um, Not even Red Dead Redemption 1, Grand Theft Auto 3, none of, like, the big ones? No. Like, and I kind of, like, Red Dead Redemption should, because it's, like, like I love that, like, that, that Western stuff, and, like, mm-hmm. like that era of guns is always, like, super compelling to me. I don't know why, but it's, like, you know, like... Where it's you know it's you know like auto like it's not automatic firearms it's not like blunderbusses although I do kind of like that kind of stuff in like D and D where like you're like the one gunslinger in the in the realm of like knights or whatever but like that western stuff is really my jam and like I kind of do want to get it but I'm not like I'm for whatever reason I'm not super excited about it I'm sure hmm. so so the biggest thing for me right now and the the biggest thing that's holding me back from like pre-ordering it is um. Uh, my because I'm kind of like in a transitionary period in terms of like where I'm going to live. Um, mm-hmm. My P- PlayStation Four is out, but my Xbox One is packed away. Um, but my brother only plays games on Xbox One, and so if I get it, I'm probably going to get it for Xbox One so I can play the multiplayer aspects with him. But until I do that, I'm not going to like dig it out of my out of one of my boxes to set it up just to have to pack it away again. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of like we, we talked about about Fallout seventy six last week, but like these are games that are kind of like in the like I'm not so sure I'm gonna get it, but like historically I've also known that like games like that, like like it'll like be get get praises sunk to high heaven and I'll get it within a couple weeks after its release. Anyway. Um that's actually exactly what happened with Spider Man. I had no intention of playing Spider Man. I just heard so much great stuff about it. I was like, Yeah, whatever and I picked it up and I loved it. So same thing with, with God of War. Um, so I have to imagine I will get it, but I'm not like excited about it right now. It's weird. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I love Red Dead Redemption one. Red Dead Redemption one might be one of the better, um, of that eras of kind of like open world games or whatever, because the story was really good. Uh, there were a lot of like it was one of those it was one of those games with like a lot of interesting characters and side stories, but the whole thing is like a giant wall to wall, sort of like macro satire of like westerns. Um, and I've seen plenty of satires of westerns, you know, like Unforgiven or whatever, right? Or like you know Django Unchained or um, what have you, The Hateful Eight. But like the problem with movies is that like the genre of westerns is so huge that you really can't cover everything in a movie right but you can cover everything in a game because games are a lot bigger than movies are sort of thing so like boy just everything gets skewered um you know like the government 
and the outlaws and hack scientists, you know, hawking snake oil and, you know, racist townspeople about Native Americans and just like all of that stuff um, is, uh, it's just like really like ripe for, for, for like satire and they go, they go hard on all of it. Basically the only character that's earnest is uh, John Marston, right? Like the player character. Um, and it's another great example of one of those games where like they make the player character so good that you get into, you know, like, that you get into it. I, I have a theory, like I think that Master Chief kinds of characters are pretty bad. Um, like those sort of cipher characters are pretty bad. We've talked about them before, right? But it kind of me means you need to like kind of empty out your gameplay um, in order to make it so that anybody could be doing the things that they the the things that they do. And John Marston isn't that. He is a very specific person. Um, though in the same way that like in Mass Effect or whatever, uh, you get to make some choices. So like you know you have a limited ability to pilot an already pre-written and pre-voice acted character. Uh, he's a lot like that. Um, but yeah, Red Dead Redemption 1, I have a lot of good things to say about it. But Rockstar itself, I have a lot of really bad things to say about. Because I think that, um, frankly, I think that they are a company that gets away with stuff less than they should. Like, I feel like we have a lot of, you know, like gamers have kind of hawkish eyes on companies like EA or Activision to a certain extent. Right. Uh, but like, the stuff that Rockstar pulled with Grand Theft, uh, Grand Theft Auto V is like ridiculous ridiculously awful when it comes to like loot you know like loot boxes and stuff like that it just ne never really made the mainstream um because grand theft auto 5 came out and they promised uh they promised dlc both for the multiplayer because they kind of had an mmo version um and for the single player right and they basically just completely abandoned all of the all of their promised single player DLC in order to continue pumping multiplayer DLC because what what they did with the multiplayer is they sell these things called shark cards which is just like you know gold like buying gold and wow um, but whereas wow creates a system where the value of the token you know like the value of the token is more about being a gold sink and it's tied to what other players are buying and selling it at and all this other kind of stuff um the shark cards are just a flat fee for a bunch of money um and it basically and like the success of the shark cards basically just encourage them over the next five years to continue pumping sort of horse armor DLC where you're adding Lamborghinis and Ferraris for exorbitant prices in order to get people to buy shark cards because they're never going to earn that much money in game. Um, and, uh, and I think it's awful, right? Yeah. Uh, they came out and they said that single player games aren't viable anymore. You have to have multiplayer games with a pay to win component. Um, otherwise you won't be able to pay off like huge development costs and stuff like that. Right. Like, so a lot of the, a lot, I feel like a lot of the bad stuff, like that we complain about a lot in the games industry from a, from a monetary perspective, right. Um, is stuff that rockstar has been committing this entire time. Uh, but kind of just like, underneath the radar for whatever reason yeah, so i don't i think the key is it hasn't been this entire time right like i feel like if red dead redemption launches with all this stuff intact it'll like the the kind of like the, the negative reaction will come if that makes sense right like i think it's stuck under the radar because most of this came in when 90 percent of people were finished with grand theft auto right like people like in terms of like the hardcore uh, I hesitate to call it this, but it's probably the best descriptor. Activist gaming community 
didn't really care so much about the Grand Theft Auto V multiplayer. They cared about the single player right. stuff. Yeah. And you know, maybe they're a little bit aggravated that there's no that the single player DLC never came, but they're not actively like playing um playing like the multiplayer to the point where they need to buy shark cards and you know, you know, I think the similar thing is that like this like re- like the, the worst abusive microtransaction stuff happened with sports games for years, I think. But like that activist community doesn't give a shit about Madden or whatever, right? So like they didn't they didn't care about any of that. So EA like built up the, this this like dung heap of bad practices and they put it in Battlefront 2, which is a game that like you know like the activist community cared about. Um and so that's when that's when like kind of the retribution came. And I also think that, you know, you're right, and in a certain sense I'm not really taking a longer view of history because like EA has been doing this for a long time. Yeah. EA was winning, you know, worst company awards in 2007 right 2008 when we went to college sort of thing right um, and i think for, you know like you know red dead redemption is a really good game i think it even has a multiplayer or whatever right but like red dead redemption is a really good single player game with like an expansive dlc pack that is like an ex- like a traditional expansion pack um and stuff like that and so really it is just the advent of uh, Grand Theft Auto and like the kind of pivot towards sort of shark card monetization uh, in like 2014, 2015. Um, so they don't have as long a history of like fucking over people as EA and Activision do. Yeah. Um, I, Activision has been able to withstand the brunt of it, but I think it's because Activision managed to be a bit better. Um, mm. um, I don't know how or why, but like the most they usually get pinged for is like COD being repetitive. Um, uh. I remember that there was some earlier stuff um, about Activision, specifically about Activision like buying things and like flooding the market and running them into the ground. Like this one, I am close to because it is it's it's a game that I like. But like that's what the Guitar Hero community always complained right, about. Right, right. Is like Activision comes out with, you know, it's not. I mean, even COD comes out once a year or whatever. But like Guitar Hero, they were like three a year for like two and a half years. Um, and they just, like, completely flooded the market. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, maybe if we had actually spent some time with it and, like, spaced it out a little bit instead of just releasing, like, the new version of the game every four months, uh, it people wouldn't have been so sick of it and pissed about it. Yeah. Um, you know, as, like, time went on or whatever. They did the same thing with Tony Hawk. They did the same thing right, um, right. With, with COD, excuse me, to a certain extent. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't feel like that that stuck to Activision as a brand as much as it did to like the individual games, which is weird. Um, but yeah, I I wonder if because like you know now that you mentioned that you know the Red Dead with the loot box stuff mirroring EA, the other thing that that's like kind of mirroring EA is um, you know very recently they were like yeah we've been putting a hundred hour weeks in on Red Dead and. I think they assumed they would be like, oh, how dedicated they are. Everybody was like, what are you doing to your employees, you fucking nutcases? Yeah. Um, I think the the worst part about that is it came out right as the Telltale stuff was hitting. And yeah, so people yeah. were already pissed about how, you know, games de- game des- development management was, uh, you know, yeah. managing its its people. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think they thought that going very differently. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I I wonder if if Rockstar is gonna get EA'd soon, like in terms of like you know outcry. We'll we'll, we'll see. That that we'll probably know within a month. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I I I think it'll depend a lot on if Red Dead Redemption Two yeah. is good. Yeah. Um, what do? You, how's your week gone? How is my week gone? Uh, so I've been playing a lot of WoW, but that's no fun. Who wants to talk about that? Uh, what I have been. Uh, what I've been watching, interestingly enough, is uh, so. Have you ever watched New Girl? Uh, no. <laughs> so New Girl is a sitcom, um, and it stars uh, Zoe Deschanel, um, and like it's the story of like she breaks up with her boyfriend and moves into a loft in Los Angeles with. Uh, three dudes and they're all wacky and they have like sitcom hijinks. Yeah, that's, um, it's it's like the start. It's like a big part of where the like manic pixie dream girl thing comes from, right? Uh, she uh, kind of to a certain extent. Um, I think the many the manic pixie dream girl exists predating this. Um, in the sense of like it exists, uh, or it like existed in like movies in the mid two thousands or whatever before people were like ah you know what. Um, but so I've been watching, I've been watching new girl and it's great and I love it. And, uh, and I just wanted to tell, I just wanted to say that, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, no, fair, fair enough. Uh, um, is that all you've been watching? No, I actually just finished, uh, some like other shows that, uh, I, I, I started watching, um, I started watching The Good Place, which I have heard amazing things about. It's by one of the creators of the. Uh, it's by one of the creators of Parks and Rec. Uh, I think Zhao recommended to us, friend of the cast. Shout out Zhao! I know you. T- you told me to watch The Good Place, and I watched the first episode, and I said I should actually watch this with my wife. Um, but uh, and I've also been watching Glow. Have you ever seen Glow with Allison Brie? And I haven't Mary? seen it, but I've heard good things. Yeah, it is awesome. <laughs> Glow is kind of like a distillation. Uh, you know how I always talk about, like, I want to get into wrestling, but I don't actually. Yeah, yeah. It's basically been able to very thoroughly scratch that itch because it is about. Glow is short for uh, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, and it's kind of like a docu-series, like, remake docudrama you know what i mean it's one of those things where this is these are real people this is based on real people doing real things um but uh it is the story of a super super low budget ladies wrestling league that popped up in los angeles in the 80s and became like a cult classic um for various reasons uh so i've been watching glow slowly and it is and it is fun and it's lots of fun and it's good um and in between there, I also rewatched the Crawl Show because why wouldn't I? So, speaking of shows that you may or may not have watched, what do you think about the cancellation of Iron Fist and Luke Cage? Funnily enough, I feel personally responsible for them because I didn't watch these. They, that they were the first uh, Netflix seasons of these Marvel shows that I didn't just watch as soon as they came out. All of the other ones, Daredevil 1 and 2, Jessica Jones 1 and... Uh, oh, I guess I didn't watch Jessica Jones 2. Um, the Defenders, right? Like, as soon as it came out, I watched it, and then I complained about it a lot because I thought it was bad. And then Iron Fist... Iron, Fi- Iron Fist and The Defenders were both really bad. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. I'm just, like, not going to watch these bad shows that are bad. Um, and then, boom, out of nowhere, they're getting uh, they're getting canceled. So I am... Um, Surprised. 
I thought these would kind of be money makers for Netflix to a certain extent. Um, but I also sort of think that the uh, the deal itself between Marvel and Netflix has deteriorated um, as Disney is creating its own rival to Netflix. Um, and, uh, you know, I just don't think that it's... I have a feeling that I have a feeling that this is more a result of that deteriorating relationship than it is a result of deteriorating viewership. Uh, but I do think deteriorating viewership is a big piece of it too, um, because people are kind of over these. Um, a couple of diehard sort of like fans I've seen on Twitter and stuff were complaining about it, or like in the Marvel Studios subreddit or whatever. Um, but when you got into like the R Television subreddit, people were just kind of like, eh, yeah. whatever. I wonder, I wonder if like part how, how part of this is like you know it's not like making these shows is sales right like um right like maybe it keeps someone from renewing their Netflix subscription but I don't know how much I believe that um because I don't know it's it's Netflix's motivations in this in this situation are are kind of weird right because like it's not like it's not like television where, like, in addition to the subscription price, you, you're also trying to, like, look to win eyes for ad space. Um, you're just kind of, like, making the content to keep someone's subscription up. And, like, I wonder if Netflix ever hits a point where it, like, just has enough content that's like, eh, we'll leave it here until you're sick of it, right? Like, like new releases are only as important as, uh, as you know, keep subscriptions rolling in. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, I think that they do it from a retention strategy. Sure. I'm sure these things are correlated, right? Where which is like the more time you spend watching Netflix, the less likely you are to cancel a subscription, right? And so Netflix is just trying to constantly shovel content into the black hole of your eyeballs. Um, and so I think when they have big, big misfires like this one, uh, also Marco Polo is a good example of it. Um, I also think House of Cards, you know, like this is the definitely, definitely final season. And I mean, Kevin Spacey had his whole thing, obviously, but like, um, even before that, we all knew that this was like the definitely end of the line for, for House of Cards, which is just kind of like, at the end of the day, these shows like run out their, like run out their clocks. And yeah, everybody was really on board for the first season of House of Cards because the first two episodes were directed by David Fincher and that first season was like really fucking good. And then it kind of like devolved over time. Um, but, uh, but I feel like they probably saw like a big tick down between season one and season two, and they're like, "All right." I also expect that those shows have a big budget, like a like a big cash budget on their hands. Yeah. Um, like Marco Polo had this problem where like it was like ten million dollar episodes or whatever, uh, and that's just a lot of money to be shoveling into a ten episode season, right? Like a hundred million dollars. It's like. Um, it's just a ton of it's just like a ton of cash. And sure, you're trying to capture that Game of Thrones money or whatever, but um, yeah, I don't know. They just it, didn't get they just didn't get there. It's weird because I think that actually the 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 kind of like win state for Netflix is just enough. Like you watch just enough to keep you paying, but not so much that like like they actually want you to do no more than the minimum amount to keep you paying because theoretically they make more profit. If you're paying the fifty dollars a month and not hitting their servers, right? Like they're not spending any money serving oh, yeah, content. Yeah. Well, um, so I wonder about that because I feel like if you're not spending time watching Netflix, there is a big chance that you're watching Amazon Prime or Hulu. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, you're yeah. Like fighting for like that market share. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I think maybe part of it too is like, you know, like I don't consume a ton of content, um, that isn't like the, the like, and that are TV shows or whatever. Um, and like, I feel like Netflix wants to be the default, right? Like I, you know, if you have one, you have Netflix type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and maybe that's enough. I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I would very much like to like have someone like be a fly on a wall of like a business meeting at Netflix headquarters where they like discuss like what their actual objective yeah. is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also think that Netflix looks at stuff like, you know, whatever it is, the DC universe and the, and the Disney, you know, whatever they're going to call that um, package and maybe laughs it off. And maybe they're much more worried about, okay, well, our real competitors are, the other established brands in this field, right? You have Hulu, which is creating Emmy award-winning series, right? With like top tier talent in there. And, and on top of that, they are also servicing that, like when a, when a new show comes out, it goes up on Hulu because Netflix doesn't do any of that sort of thing. And then you're going up against Amazon prime, right? Right. Amazon, the biggest company on the planet, practically. Um, I think technically Apple is bigger, uh, you know, th- that's a that's a company that not only is are they aggressively moving into this field, right, um, producing Oscar award winning movies uh, on top of their Emmy award winning television shows or whatever, but they also have a much more diversified foundation on which to do those things. And so, you know, yeah, who cares if their version of Marco Polo, which is going to be the billion dollar Netflix uh, Lord of the Rings, falls flat on its face, right, because they're a trillion dollar company right yeah. like um so i don't know yeah also like there's a weirdness there too like it's kind of in that space where like even if it falls flat on its face does that actually matter because people might watch it anyway right like i feel like netflix is like the most insulated from critical reception ever actually because like you know like uh, but that, that bright that movie that we watched last year, um, yep. like critically panned, got decent user ratings, and I and you know enough people watched it that they ordered a sequel, right? Like, yeah, uh, you know, like and, and like I feel like people will watch that kind of thing just because they have Netflix and you know might as well rather than like you know it's not like a movie where you have to like pay a fee to go to go see it, right? Like you you already have it. I'd, I'd be very interested to see, like, I, I my, my suspicion is that Netflix is, is the most, of any of the, the different platforms, or, or, you know, streaming is the most immune from critical reception to any, to, to like, versus, like, movies and television, because they're not trying to sell anything against it, right? You're not trying to sell tickets, you're not trying to sell advertising, you're just trying to keep a subscription up, and as long as somebody's willing to, like, eh, I'll watch, I'll, like, put it on while I, like, like, you know, bleed out on my couch. It's fine. <laughs> um, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have any deeper thoughts on that. What about you? Yeah, me neither. I super, I super feel what you're, uh, I super feel what you're getting at, though. I think that this stuff is interesting to talk about and think around, right? Um, like, not only that, you also have YouTube, which is kind of going the opposite direction in a lot of ways, because they're kind of, like, bottoming out um, and mining the, the, they're kind of like mining the market from below yeah, by just yeah. saying, kind of saying, here's the platform, do what the fuck you want with it. We're not going to give a shit about it. Right. 
Um, and obviously that means that they're hosting a bunch of crap that nobody watches, but they're also hosting a bunch of people who, you know, make a, make a living. Right. And so, and they're producing regular content and they're hosting, you know, people's Twitch streams or whatever else. So. Yeah. Although I don't think YouTube is prop like YouTube's biggest asset is the fact that it's attached to alphabet, which will keep them alive, even though they're revenue negative, I think. Um, cause like, you know, the more they interfere with, with it, the more people get mad at them because, like, you know, they can't run ads against their, like, you know, Elsa videos. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, but to be yeah. to be more, you know, uh, to be less less kind of like bitchy about it, right? Like, you know, people who want to discuss like more mature things don't get advertisers run against them, and so you know they get screwed by revenue. Um, I don't. Know. I pay for YouTube Prime. If I yeah, had... I pay for YouTube Red. I actually yeah. very much enjoy YouTube Red. I think YouTube Red is one of the better of those like subscription services that I that I. Uh, I agree. Pay into. I love watching uh, Vsauce's uh, like uh, videos. Those those like th that's the only Prime series or premium series I regular regularly watch. Um, but anyway, I think we're we're a little bit over time. Um, Indeed. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap this up? Uh, no, I, I don't. I guess we're done. All right. Well, if that's the case, if you want to email us what you think about replayability or any of the other things you talked about in this podcast, you can email us at somedurfsplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at somedurfsplaygames.com. Follow us at twitch.tv slash somedurfsplaygames, although we haven't done stuff in a while. Hopefully we'll we'll finish out House Rebels soon. Oh my God, uh, I need to send a message about that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, maybe we'll get into something else after that. Um. Maybe we'll get something done for the Pathfinder playtest. Maybe. Um, uh, uh, otherwise, you can check out these videos on YouTube. Or you can check out this podcast in video form on YouTube. Um, what else? Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Leave us reviews on iTunes. All that good stuff. Um, buddy, do you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.